it, yeah. <laughs> Get my Mel Gibson tirades out of the way. Yeah, you should start recording, and I'm like, and another thing about the Jews. <laughs> Welcome to Waffle Press. Here, in a world where the sun burns cold, and the wind blows colder, a visitor has come, but not by herself. It started. Hello, welcome back to the Waffle Press podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, Matt and I, Matt Garingo. Well, there we go. Fuck, it's been so long. I don't even remember how to introduce people. It's been uh, so long. This is Matt Garingo. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hey, that's what they call a classic joke setup. <laughs> okay. Set them up, knock them down. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't done this in a while, no. but we're continuing our Alien Retrospective series. Yeah. We're getting to the best one. This episode has been more delayed than Alien 3 was. Oh, that's actually, hey, hey, that's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little under the weather, so if I sniffle once in a while, that's... That's me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Much like Alien Three. Yeah, we were delayed. Life things happened. A lot of problems that. in both our lives. Yeah, a lot of things going on. But this is about Alien Three, yeah. David Fincher's first movie that he doesn't acknowledge at any point in time. And we'll never talk about. He's disowned it like a bastard child. But you know, I and think still, a bastard child it, still has potential. Yeah, in the face of everything that went wrong, he still managed to pull a good movie out of it. So, that's it's kind of incredible. Yeah. Oh, fucking, he's a hell of a shooter. And you could see, you know, like, where he's going. It's so, it's, watching it, it feels ahead of its time, honestly. Like, if maybe it had come out, like, two years later, maybe, like, if he had made it after Seven, people would have been more open to what he was going for. But at the time, I don't think the studio even realized what kind of talent David Fincher was going to be. And they just assumed he was kind of going to be like a yes-man kind of director. Because he had only done music videos up to this point. So they thought he was going to just be grateful to have a feature film job. Didn't happen that way. Nope. (laughs) It's sort of like uh, what happened with Mark Webb. When everyone liked 500, or a lot of people liked 500 Days of Summer. And then Sony was like, hey, let's make some Spider-Man movies. And then he had to become a yes-man to keep his job. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I don't think Mark Webb is nearly as good as David Fincher. I don't like his movies at all. So yeah. So that's a bad example. But, I mean, if you're talking about directors getting screwed out of a job or screwed over, that's another comparable. Yeah, to be situation. fair to Mark Webb, he's only really had one like actual movie that we could call his. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I, I want to be fair. Yeah, I mean, even though he made two of the possibly worst movies ever made, <laughs> a lot of it wasn't. There was a lot more cooks in that kitchen fucking things up. So, I mean, oh, so, that's so a, you think Mark Webb had it worse than David Fincher? Um, I you know what? That's a tough one. I think maybe. Mark Webb didn't realize how bad it was. I think that might be the only difference. Because, like, he must have been blindsided by the fallout 
of both those movies, like just getting negative reactions. And I mean, the first one kind of got middle of the road, which is unbelievable to me because it's unwatchable. But uh, when the second one came out and it was kind of like instantaneous where everyone was like, fuck this movie. And then like to immediately be like, we're rebooting it already with Marvel and to basically be shit canned after what was like reportedly a torturous production for Amazing Spider-Man 2. I, I bet you, you just didn't even see it coming. Like, which is a shame. I mean, I, feel, I do feel bad for the guy, but, you know, very few people even get the direct Hollywood movie, so maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> he just has the, the millions of dollars they paid him. Yeah, I mean, he, he got the short end of the stick in the situation, but, I mean, he's still doing better than all of us, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel bad that uh, maybe he would have been made a scapegoat, which is also what could have happened with David Fincher. He could have been made, like, a scapegoat for why Alien 3 wasn't received as well and if you look at if you watch the behind the scenes stuff the producers still lay the blame at fincher's feet which is ridiculous to me uh it is i mean that one uh if anybody watches alien 3 at any point which you should i don't think people need to watch a theatrical version at no. all like no reason it's just not good because it's been so butchered but assembly cut is what we're really going to be talking about and the the behind the scenes stuff that went on yeah. And there's a really good documentary. Uh, did it come out for the first time with the, that Quadrilogy DVD set? I believe it came with the Quadrilogy because it's the same style as all four of those making of documentaries had. I think it was just okay. one group did all four of them. Yeah. So, well, one, they're all, those are all really good because they're yeah. very just they're, they're very state of the fact sort mm-hmm. of stuff. You know, it's just like the, the prequel trilogy for Star Wars documentaries. Like, Nobody hides anything. You're, they, even if they try to, it's like you, you really can't. Like it's all out in the open. Mm-hmm. So when people, uh, when the producers really try to lay the blame on Fincher for the mm-hmm. Alien 3 debacle during its theatrical release, uh, you, when you follow David Fincher's career, it's very clear that it was not his fault. <laughs> yeah. And you really, and in my opinion, you really have to read between the lines a little bit when it comes to the third one. Um, because the producer, they only interview, they don't interview Walter Hill, who was one of the producers. Um, I mean, they interview him a little bit, but he's ba- he barely talks about Alien 3. And the other guy, um, David Giles, is that his name? I, I totally forgot. Um, he, they interview him a lot and he keeps like a straight face sticking to his talking points like a politician. And, like, refuses to yield on anything where he's like, you know, well, there were some issues, but uh, we just decided not to go with that direction. And uh, But if you start picking up the thread of what's going on, you can see that, like, not only was, was there just, like, not great direction, there was a lot of undermining coming from different sources. Lots of different ideas floating around and contradictory ideas that kind of made it, like, a near-impossible task to make the movie. Yeah, I mean... Um... With the way franchise filmmaking is nowadays, uh, a lot of people, it, it's really hard to hide the fact that there are so many cooks in these respective kitchens. Like, obviously, Marvel, they've, they've had their issues, and I think as they progress, hopefully they get better at it, too, because when they're good, they're real good. DC, yeah. obviously, that's, like, blatant. And then Sony, I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of miss the days when movies, when franchises were bad, they just stopped, like, making them. And they're like, yeah. something else. You know, because, I mean, it took two shitty Spider-Man movies, and then they're like, all right, let's do something else. It's, it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, these last two Alien movies, they, they killed the franchise for like a decade, so. Yeah, well, I mean, this one almost killed it. This one kind of, like, I think inadvertently killed the franchise, because then it made everyone say, well, we need to do a fourth one to fix everything, which was the wrong attitude, and that's what gets us resurrection. So, I mean, just but, in I mean, general, I think that that's a bad attitude to have. Like, oh, people didn't like this one movie, so we need to fix it. Like, yeah, that happens. Don't do that. Like, mm. live with your mistakes. Do something else. Yeah, live with it. And then if it's broken, you got to at some point you got to go. All right, we're done. I mean, some at some point a franchise, you just got to let it end. That's a hard thing, I think, for some people to get in this day and age, because now everything comes back. I mean, now mm-hmm. it's, it feels like every franchise is going to get its shot. And, and they, even if they keep failing their intellectual properties, so these studios will just keep churning out shitty sequels. <laughs> I mean, well, we've already talked a little bit about the proposed Alien 5 that might be coming out, and yeah. Alien Covenant, which is in production right now. And I feel like this is a franchise where we'll get more into this probably with Prometheus and Resurrection, but I feel like the Alien franchise might be done. Um, at least for a little bit. Like, put it on, put it somewhere, put it away for a little while. Uh, but that was not the attitude following Aliens, which was a mega hit that not a lot of people expected. Yeah, I mean, how do you even, like, predict that movie? Because... I mean, the first, I mean, every entry in the Alien franchise I've talked about, it's why I love this franchise so much, is they're all so different. I mean, mm-hmm. again, we'll get to Resurrection. But I even, yeah. I, I like watching it just because it's so different in, in a very bad way, but there's nothing yes. else like it. Uh, and then Alien 3, it's, it's totally a David Fincher movie. Even yes. though he's completely disowned it, his, his style, uh, his, his framing, his color palette, his mm-hmm. nihilism, like it's all here. Yeah, it's all, all, especially the nihilism. Oh my I mean, god! This is a this is a harsh franchise, and this is easily the harshest entry in the series. Yeah, it's really not an easy watch. <laughs> I mean, especially for the first time coming off of Aliens, and it's mm. like, oh man, I sure like these characters. I hope nothing well, bad happens to them. I mean, personally, I, I don't think they're that great, but I mean, they're they're good characters, and I like them well enough. Just. I have feelings about the opening to Alien well, 3. Well, yeah. Well, let's, uh, let, let me get into a little bit of the development of Alien 3. Yes, let's get that out of the way. So, uh, so Aliens comes out as a mega hit. Um, and it was also, I, I'm guessing it's, it's definitely the first one in this franchise to sell a lot of toys. I mean, you could do the Colonial Marines toys based on that. Um, the producers claim that they didn't want to do another one. Um, but I call bullshit on that claim <laughs> um, because once they got, once they decided, okay, let's do another one. They immediately started planning that they would do two back-to-back sequels. That was the original plan uh, that they would do two back-to-back sequels. Alien three would take place in sort of a science space facility and alien four would be on earth and alien three Ripley wouldn't be in it. Um, they were going to cut, they were going to make her a cameo. Um, in some versions, she was just going to be uh, in her stasis tube the whole movie. <laughs> and you never see her. Uh, so that was talked about. Um, they wanted to make Hicks the main character. 
because the Colonial Marines toys sold a lot. And uh, there was a feeling that since aliens did not attract a wide enough female audience, that it would be a better idea to make the franchise cater more. Uh, yeah. Um, so that almost happened. And one of the first ideas was that, you know, the aliens would... they This whole franchise has kind of been a build-up to something that's never happened which is the aliens getting to Earth. And one of the earliest ideas that was proposed was that the aliens would invade Earth and a giant alien would attack a like, future New York City. And this was being developed. This was before they even brought writers on. This was just stuff that like the producers and the studio was coming up with. Because at this point, the producers are looking to make you know, another financially successful sequel, and the studio is looking to make another successful toy line. <laughs> So these are the two conflicting interests we've got. So the first person to take a crack at the script, well, actually, they, they approached Ridley Scott to do these two movies, and Ridley Scott was like, I'm too busy, I can't do it. So then they, they went to Clive Barker, of all people, but who must have been like fresh off of Hellraiser and maybe he'd done Nightbreed at this point. And Clive Barker was like, I don't give a fuck about the Alien franchise. <laughs> so, like, all right, let's, let's not go with him. So then the first writer they get is William Gibson. In renowned science fiction writer, William Gibson. And he says that he wanted to go for, like, he wanted to make, like, the Alien franchise kind of cross over with the Blade Runner franchise. Like, he wanted to get that sort of vibe. And I've read that a lot. Like, there's actually a lot of talk about saying they want to do a Blade Runner-esque sequel to Aliens. But I honestly don't know what they mean by that because I don't get any of the vi- that vibe from the scripts I've seen. <laughs> like, other than this kind of like some industrial shit going on. Like, you know, but, uh, you know, it, I, don't, I don't know what that even means. Um, and like I said, so, the, so uh, William Gibson wrote two drafts that are pretty similar. Uh, where they um, Hicks was going to be the main character Bishop was going to be there uh, the aliens were going to be uh, genetically modified in a way and they weren't going to there were going to be no face huggers I think there were face huggers in the first draft but by the second draft they had cut them and the way the, al- the new aliens arise is that they're like this airborne pathogen and a couple of crew members breathe it in and then at some point later in the film they kind of burst out from, like, these fully formed aliens burst out of these people's bodies. Like, over their skeletons. <laughs> and shit. And this, is, this is new to me. I haven't heard this one. Oh, it's great. I, I love this idea of the script. Um, it's very Thing-inspired. You can actually see a lot of John Carpenter's The Thing influencing it. There's even a, like, tension around, like, whether or not, like, who's infected and who isn't. Like, they don't totally know. Um, these new breed of aliens can infect you if they just bite you. Um, you, they don't need the face hugger, um, and multiple chest bursters can burst out of one person. Oh, sort of like Alien vs. Predator, Requiem. I'll never bring that movie up again. I'll never bring that movie up again. fucking Christ. So, uh, you can see, you can actually see the conflict going on between trying to do uh, another alien movie and a sequel to Aliens. 
like at the same time, the first draft William Gibson done is very action oriented. There's actually like a whole sequence in like zero gravity that would have been interesting. Um, where people have to like kind of hold their breath in zero G and it's uh, they, like their bodies don't explode like they would in total recall, which is what I think a lot of people believed at that time. Um, and by the second draft, it was kind of, the second draft is much better in my opinion. It gets a, there's a lot more fleshed out characters and they cut a lot of fat. There's actually a lot in the first draft that like, there's like this alien attack really early on in the first draft and then it's never brought up again. <laughs> So, but I mean, it's a first draft. What are you going to do? So, uh, but then William Gibson left the project um, over what he said was conflicts with the producers. Oh, wow. Um, On this project? That's crazy talk. Yeah. And I guess there was talk about, uh, there was already early talks about maybe making the setting a mining facility or a prison facility. This is what the producers wanted. Um, And... Around this time, Rennie Harlan gets brought on board based on Gibson's drafts. Um, Rennie Harlan, who was probably fresh off of like Cliffhanger and had done the the One Night on Elm Street movie. Um, uh, Dream Rennie Harlan, brother. Yeah, Dream Warriors, I think he did. No, no, he didn't do Dream Warriors. Oh, he did Warriors. one afterwards. He did Dream, he did Dream Child. Um, and... Uh, Ray Harlan was like the like the eighties version of Zack Snyder. <laughs> He's had a very interesting visual eye, and none of his films mean anything at all. So, um, Die Hard, I like inter- Die Hard Two kind of ish. That's all I got. Yeah, but the, but like Die Hard Two is not exactly a deep movie. No, no, it's it's, it's a nothing movie. It's a it's, it's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's like got, a definitive okay movie. Exactly. Um, and it's the exact same plot as Die Hard, just bigger. Yeah, so, Which is what Ray Harlan's good at, which is weird to see him in interviews talk about. Like, he's like, when I first came to the Alien franchise, I wanted to do something completely different than the other two, which does not sound like Ray Harlan's attitude about <laughs> filmmaking at all. But uh, he wanted to do an idea of going to the alien world. This is where things start getting a little muddled with what exactly was going on behind the scenes because I know they were developing this concept of alien world. Um, which So the, the film would have taken place on the alien planet. This was Rennie Harlan's idea. But at the same time, the producers were pushing for more of a, you know, the aliens coming to Earth film, which was still being talked about. Um. There, there was a teaser trailer made at some point before production had even begun that basically said the setting was going to be Earth. Um, the teaser trailer says, uh, in space, no one can hear you scream, and on Earth, that's all you'll hear or some bullshit. Yeah, so, that's... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I love it so much, because if that happened nowadays, people would be flipping their shit. Yeah. And then it will just never so, happen, and people would continuously flip their shits for aggressively different reasons. Well, no, if, if that happened today where the first teaser for a movie said something that was the complete opposite of what the final product of the movie was, there would be like a million Reddit threads about what, pro- what they think happened, which would be inaccurate. Um, mostly ending with them blaming women, all of women <laughs> in some way. 
um, there would just be all these weird conspiracy videos online about like how whatever hijacked the franchise and all this nonsense. I'm basing this mostly on how the fallout of the recent Ghostbusters film has been, which is the fucking ridiculous writings that have been happening around it. Um, but like I'm saying, so we have this, we have, so we have this, we have alien world being developed. We also have aliens on earth being developed. And then at the same time, Eric red is brought on to write a draft of alien three. And Eric red is the writer of the hitcher and near dark. So fucking talented guy. Yeah. And turns in probably one of the shittiest of all the drafts. Um, his really is not worth going into at all. It's like, it's this weird like colony that kind of has like a 1950s suburbia vibe. It's really like, it's trying to do some commentary, I guess. Um, and it's also trying to take out the colonial Marines aspect of like having weapons at hand. So there's like a lot of uh, more like household equipment used to fight aliens in the script, but it's not good. Um, and even he's disowned it. And he, he has a quote that I wrote down that I think might hint at some of the problems going on behind the scenes for the alien franchise. Um, the quote was, when he, this is him disowning his script. Eric Red disowning his script for Alien 3 said, The piece of junk was the product of a few weeks of intense hysterical story conferences with the studio to rush to get the picture into production, and it turned out to, com be, to be completely awful. So the studio is already rushing the meter release date, and they don't even have a script yet, <laughs> which is never good. Um, and unfortunately, I think that's how 90% of blockbusters are made today. Pretty but, much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no wonder they all suck. Fuck um, movies. And apparently Eric Red's script was so bad, uh, this is what caused Rennie Harlan to quit the movie. Then, at, this, at some point around here, the producers abandoned the idea of doing the back-to-back -back films. They've also cut out the idea of bringing Hicks back. In Eric Red's script, there were actually no references to any of the characters from Aliens. I think their ship would have crashed and everyone from Aliens would have been dead, including Ripley. I don't like that. Yeah. And uh, the same thing happens with the next script, um, written by a guy whose name I'm going to fuck up. Just go uh, for it. Dave, David Twoey. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, he eventually did the Prometheus script, right? Or an early draft of it? Um, maybe, but I didn't. That's not what I saw on his uh, list of credits. Oh, okay, okay. He, um, he did he, something. He's one of the writers of The Fugitive. He wrote Waterworld, and he also is the writer and director of all the Riddick films. Ah, that's how I know him. Yeah. Um, and his script is the first one to feature the prison planet idea. It's a mixture of a prison planet and a mining colony. And it's actually in orbit around Earth. And there's these corporations doing uh, genetic experiments on the prisoners involving the alien uh, bodies and shit. And also, uh, none of the characters from Aliens would have appeared. They would have died 
before the movie even began. Um, this one had an interesting... The only interesting thing I can think of from this one is that there were these genetically mutated aliens in the film, so you had aliens that, like, had different abilities. Um, like, you had, like, an alien that could, like, camouflage itself. You had one that was more of, like, a brute. Um, you had one that's, like, a precursor to the alien we will see in Alien Resurrection. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. And, I mean, they don't get much play, but it's an interesting setup that there's, like, different types of aliens. That's one thing I do appreciate about all of these scripts is that all the aliens are fairly different than previous aliens in unique ways. Um, they find like creative ways to make them different, and they kind of abandon that at some point. Um, so then we get into so after so for whatever reason they didn't go forward with the prison planet idea just yet, even though it's clearly what the producers wanted. But they just decided, no, we're not going to do that. Um, that's when they bring in uh, Vincent Ward, who I think came up with the most interesting idea of all the uh, the proposed versions of Alien Three, which is this. Oh, this is my favorite. The this wooden this wooden planet like of monks that reject technology. That's like it's like a space monastery. Uh. And there would have been all this religious symbolism um, involved with them looking at the alien as a sort of demon. They actually call it the dragon, I believe, in his script. Uh, and Ripley as either being, you know, the force that brought it or their savior. Um, his script m matches a lot of story beats that will be in Alien 3, including like, the prisoner's... The way they behave in Alien 3 is very similar to some of the characterization of some of the monks uh, in the Monastery Planet script. Uh, and also, the sa they defeat the alien in very similar ways in Alien 3 and the unmade Monastery Planet Alien 3. Um, there's, if, you, if you see the documentary, just go watch the Alien 3 documentary. They go into great detail about Vincent Ward's proposed ideas. There were all of this production art done. And I don't know if he could have pulled it off. I've only seen one movie of Vincent Ward's and I didn't really like it. So I don't know if he could have done it, but it has the most, it's the most unique of all of the proposed ideas and really would have taken the franchise in a weird direction. And I, and in a good way, I think it would have opened it up a lot more. And according to him, he had all this written out. They were already they were already basically planning sets when the producers came to him and asked if they could change it to a prison planet. <laughs> and he got fed up. And according to him, they were like spy. Like his assistant was actually a spy for the studio, who would like phone, um, who like would be in the meetings and then phone the studio, and then the studio would call up people doing makeup. I mean, people. I mean. I've, uh, doing special effects and people doing sets and telling him what to change behind his back. And I guess after he got wind of what was going on, he quit the project. Uh, which is a shame. because it, it, But to be fair, I don't think they ever would have let him make the movie he wanted. Um, there's actually a producer in the documentary complaining about his vision being too artsy-fartsy, which is a horrible thing to hear a producer say. 
at some point they basically just decided to combine the prison planet mining colony idea with Vincent Ward's monastery planet idea. And that's kind of where you get the structure. The producers took over the writing and that's what they churned out. They basically combined the last two scripts together. And that's the working script for Alien 3, but it was still being written when David Fincher joined and started shooting. <laughs> so David Fincher started without a finished script. And they were building sets. So whatever rewrites were coming down, they would have to make match whatever sets were being built. They started building sets before they even knew what they were going to be used for. Uh, the first writer that David Fincher brought on got fired for agreeing too much with David Fincher. <laughs> and then the second guy basically tried to be like the middleman between the producers, the studio, and David Fincher. And they interview him a lot, Alien 3, and he basically talks about how they were just every day they were rewriting things. And it was nearly impossible to keep everything together with what was going on. And that was just the beginning <laughs> of a lot of the problems. Oh, and I should mention Vincent Ward's, the one thing I've got, Vincent Ward's is the first one where Ripley comes back. Ripley was going to be in it because Sigourney Weaver at some point in between decided that she wanted to do Alien 3. I don't know if it was a, like she wanted to, you know, control what happened to the character. Like maybe they heard, maybe she heard they were going to kill off the character or if she, they gave her enough money. Um, but for whatever reason, she decided to come back and she dies at the end of Vincent Ward's script and she dies at the end of the Alien 3 script. So that was the, that was basically the template they were building around. It got worse. <laughs> so I, I'm serious. I don't want, I'm not going to go into all the details of it. Just watch the documentary and watch like a young David Fincher who was at times you can see having a lot of fun making the movie and at other times like on the verge of like killing his entire crew <laughs> out of stress. There's a scene where he's basically just berating one of the lighting guys um, where he's like, if the lighting is this way, we can't shoot. He just like starts yelling at the guy's face where he's like, no, you're not listening. We can't shoot if you do this. They just over and over again. And he's clearly about to like lose it. And I gotta give him credit though, because if I was in the same situation, I probably would have just started crying every day. <laughs> I mean, they stopped yelling at me. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think this is one of the main reasons why David Fincher, I mean, he's, he's kind of a control freak, right? Like as a director. And I don't mean that like in a negative way. I mean, he makes his crew do like a hundred takes of scenes sometimes, but yeah, I mean, the guy knows how to make a fucking movie, so it's not like he's doing it wrong. But, I mean, he's notoriously really strict yeah. about how he shoots his movies. And I think because he lost, or he had to fight every step of the way on Alien 3, like, this clearly informed him in some way or another. Yeah, this clearly got him ready for other shit he was going to be dealing with. Um, and I think one of the things he was dealing with, with which Seven... Gonna set, they originally, the studio originally made them rewrite Seven to be happier and have a happier oh ending. God. And somehow Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt were both sent the wrong quote-unquote script, which was the original draft, which was much darker. And they said, we want to do that version. And some... It, Every story says that they, it was an accident that they got the original script, but someone tells me David Fincher might have deliberately sent them the other draft. 
just to get some support. Because like, he is much more of a fighter. And I don't, but I don't think he started doing the multiple takes thing until Zodiac when he started shooting digitally. Digitally allowed him to shoot like a thousand takes. <laughs> so I think that's when he started. But I mean, he's a very, he, he knows what he wants. And he has a very keen eye. And it's very apparent. Just, I mean, for a first movie, this, just the look of Alien 3 is pretty fucking great. Um, and you see other directors with their first movie. And you can, st- like he's, you can still see him working it out. But the fact that it's as competent as it is, is pretty amazing for a first time film. Especially considering everything going on behind the scenes. One thing that happened <laughs> during production was that the original uh, director of photography um, got Parkins- got diagnosed with Parkinson's in the middle of production and had to be replaced. And they it, originally they tried to work with him and it would just sometimes the guy would be good. It's a damn shame he died like sometime afterwards. And sometimes he would be good on set. And other times he would just be so bad they would have to basically sit around for hours with these you know crews and sets just wasting money and not shooting anything. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Um, but watch anyone out there watch the Alien Three doc. It's a, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it's the behind the scenes stuff really is just as interesting as the movie, at least to me. I mean, it, it's fascinating how fucking uphill uh, David Fincher had to fight, and I mean, even everything else before he even got on board is just yeah. Oh my god, it's it's a mess, but it's a glorious mess worth studying and doesn't really happen that often but it totally does <laughs> and here's the thing usually these type of stories end with going and that's why the movie kind of sucks but that's not the case with alien 3 i mean the the theatrical cut of alien 3 fucking blows i will say that it's not good they reshot a lot of stuff without fincher there's a lot that's in there that they just shouldn't be there they cut a lot but the assembly cut of Alien 3, which is as close as we're going to get to a director's cut, is a fucking damn good movie. And it, that, it's amazing that it's as good as it is. Yeah, because there's no reason why it should be, other than David Fincher just being fucking great. Mm. Like, he's just in his DNA. He's a fucking masterful director. Uh, so let's just dive right in, because I love Alien 3 a whole lot. And for the oh, people yeah. who listen to this, probably my five Twitter followers. Uh, <laughs> th- yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious. I really like this movie. Uh, and, oh my god. Even then, David Fincher can fucking frame a movie. Like, mm-hmm. he, he really knows how to make something look cinematic. And can I just... He, He's got that tone, that nihilistic, cynical tone from the get-go. There's this whole different yeah. vibe. But can I just talk about, like, the funniest part of this fucking movie? <laughs> Might be the 20th Century Fox logo. Where, it, you know, they do the Fox fanfare. Oh, yeah. And then it holds at the end. And then it holds onto the, like, dark alien theme going into it. That makes me laugh so fucking hard every time I watch it.
it's like this ain't your granddaddy's alien. <laughs> oh, see, I don't, I don't know if is that like a slight towards it because I actually really like that. I, I like it, but I kind of like it ironically because I mean it's such a '90s move, in my opinion. Where it's like, holy shit, is this is about to this is gonna be real? Like, and then like it gets right in the movie, which is good. But I just think that little note kind of makes me laugh. It's a little on the nose. A little on the nose. A little just it. It just feels very '90s, and this movie does not feel super 90s to me honestly like because there's this weird awkward period with 90s movies where they can't decide what they want to be and that kind of stayed for most of the decade and this one has a pretty clear vision that i think you don't see like come together until like the end of the 90s like this looks a lot different than movies coming out in 92 i can't think of anything that looks like it from around this time, which is kind I of think, amazing. Uh, uh, all the alien directors, minus everyone that comes after Fincher, uh, Fincher, Scott, and Cameron, they all, all their entries feel way ahead of their time. Yeah. They feel like they could have been made today. I mean, you know, the studio system and shit probably would have made it impossible, but mm-hmm. their direction style feels more modern than anything from back in the day or at least maybe even more ahead of its time now you know like they, they don't feel yeah, think, like anything else yeah, i think we're in a weird like i'm not trying to shit on like movies today but i think we're in a weird regression period with movies where they've become way too assembly line um and that's really affecting quality and it's like now like we're it feels like whenever we talk about like what's good in the movie we're like grasping for straws a lot of the time even in good stuff, like there's nothing that there's there hasn't been like a big blockbuster movie in a while that I thought was like from beginning to end consistently good. Like that I didn't feel like there was like a like a problem with it. And I, I but but then again, when you when you do this thing where we look back at movies, being like, why aren't movies today made? Like we're forgetting a lot of the shit movies that came out that no one talks about anymore. So I'm sure there were just as many bad movies coming out in 92 as there are today. But just don't get horror about movies. Them, so yeah. You don't you don't get horror movies like Alien 3 today. Um, no, that the, is true. You either get The Conjuring which blows or a found footage movie. So well, you're wrong in, about The Conjuring, but that's a whole other deal. I could go on for three hours about The Conjuring, but um, I won't do that. Let's talk about uh, the opening, uh, where Hicks and Newt die. They just get fucking impaled. Newt drowns to death. Yeah. It's it's a rough opening. Yeah. Strap in, kids. (laughs) Um. Like, I showed my young cousin uh, Alien one weekend, and the following weekend I went back to his house and showed him Aliens. And then he was like, "Oh, what's next?" And I was like, "We gotta wait a while. I need yeah. I need you to brace yourself. You're not." So I was like, "Hang on, just wait another year or something, because this is gonna be yeah. hard." I actually <laughs> just showed my little brother, who's also twelve, Aliens for the first time. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about it when we did the Aliens episode, 
Um, but to see it work, like, s- still work for someone um, that young is kind of amazing. But at the same time, I was kind of like, don't check out Alien 3 for a while. <laughs> like, wait on it. And I didn't even, I mean, I skipped Alien for him because I knew, like, I'm not trying to be shitty, but I just know my little brother wouldn't have been able to sit through Alien with as slow-paced as it is. I mean, kids, they have a harder time. I'm not, I, I feel like I'm shitting on, like, younger kids. I'm not I'm trying not to. No, I mean, it, I just... It, it, they have much more distractions today. And, like, I just know if I put Alien on, he would have been looking at his cell phone a lot during Alien, so I didn't want to do that. Um, but, yeah, I can't imagine, because a lot of kids saw Aliens. and I. But then again, Alien 3 is long enough away that they probably would have been old enough. But, again, it is a bit of a fuck you beginning. To Alien Three to just kill off Hicks and Newt, um, which I have mixed feelings about, honestly. Uh, I understand that the Alien franchise is kind of about how shit is horrible, <laughs> and a- Aliens is kind of the only one to end like on a really positive note. Um, but it must have been frustrating for a lot of people who loved aliens to get there. And then basically at the beginning of this movie, be like, none of that shit mattered. <laughs> See, I'd Especially be more against it. If the rest of the movie didn't like capitalize on it. Yeah. Well, the rest of the movie does a great job except for the theatrical cut. Oh, of course, which is the uh, version everyone saw for like 15 years. And here's the thing. I can understand why you'd be like infuriated by them killing Hicks and Newt because not only does it feel like a fuck you at the start, but when you alien the theatrical cut of Alien Three feels like a lot of generic horror movie sequels. Like when you start getting into like Halloween Four, where they don't even have Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> and they have like they're like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis character died in a car while she was away. Like it, like it just adds to that sort of vibe to the theatrical cut. Um. But one thing I like is that Alien 3 immediately segues into doing an autopsy on Newt. (laughs) Which is so fucking brutal. And is just a terrific scene. And the mixed emotions that uh, Ripley's going through with, like, you know, mourning Newt, but also having to make sure that nothing happened to her. That there's no egg inside of her or anything. I mean, it adds this, like, there's a really just fucking dark element to that scene of her, like, trying to be, like, respectful to Newt, but then also making sure, uh, like, oh, it's so creepy. And just fucking harsh. Like, it, it, it would have put a lot of people off. I think, uh, I don't, I haven't seen the theatrical cut in a while. A long while, so I don't remember if it's as brutal in there, but I'm pretty sure they had to cut it down, right? Because they definitely cut it down. I I fell asleep watching the theatrical cut. I tried to for this, and I fell asleep. So I'm sorry about that. But yeah, uh, fuck it. No, nobody watches the theatrical cut. <laughs> one of the things, though, is I feel like their deaths are much harsher in the theatrical cut. In the sense that it's brushed over much quickly, much more quickly. I mean, 
it's literally just like text over screen where it's like, hey, they died, and then it's over. We don't need to deal with it anymore. Um, the beginning of the theatrical cut is very different than the assembly cut. Like, you're outdoors more in the assembly cut. I don't even know if you go outdoors at all in the theatrical cut. I can't remember. Um, uh, it's, I think I, it's just her pod. They, like, see, they pull her out of the pod instead, and they pull the pod out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. And they get and rid then, of all yeah. the, like, there's, like, these weird, like, cow creatures, which is what gets infected with, uh, which is what gets the face hugger put on it in the assembly cut. Yeah, that was but, always weird why they switched it. Like, did that even matter, you know? I really don't know. That's a baffling choice. That feels like something where a producer had that fight, like, at the start of filming. Where it's like, well, maybe, why, why not, let's have it infect a dog or something. And the producer said, like, a dog would be a better idea. And David Fincher was like, no, we're not doing that. And then the, the producer just held on to that grudge throughout all of production. And then when, he, when the producer got control, he just said, fuck it, I'm changing that. <laughs> this is a fuck you to Fincher. Because it's an odd choice. Yeah, it's, um, it's so weird. Really quick, I also want to say that the sound design in this movie, 90% of it is incredible. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. Oh. Uh, and then this leads over into the major problem with the movie for me is the puppetry, which is shit. Yeah. Uh, there's this fucking fantastic scene where uh, the alien first reveals itself to Ripley and kills off uh, Charles Dance, who was in the movie for far too short, but his death well, really, really works. I gotta talk about um, Charles Dance for a second. Keep real going, quick, keep going. Just, uh, that scene's so good, and then the, the kill's so brutal, and it's just, it, the tension is rising, the goosebumps all over you, hair sticking up, and then you see the alien stutter into the frame, yeah. and it's just awful CGI composite, and then you hear, like, the sound design when it's walking towards Ripley is literally, like, that's it and it's just like what the fuck happened well like it totally pulls you out i get the sense that when i look at it now i get the sense that maybe there was a debate over what the alien was going to look like that lasted the whole production because it looks different in certain scenes like there's no there's not it doesn't actually look consistent for the whole movie no it really doesn't and i feel like there must have been a debate going on which maybe that's where the dog alien comes from, where like maybe there was a bait, like, oh, it should look more like a dog, like running around more. And then like that's where you get a lot of the running and like a thinner alien. But then you get like, well, maybe the, the fucking the cow alien, which is like this, this big hulking behemoth, which is what it looks like, which looks, which is usually looks the best when it's just this huge, when it just looks huge and it's like hiding somewhere or when it goes like right up to Ripley's face. But I feel like that must have been a debate that lasted the whole production that never got solved. And that leads to a lot of the poor... I mean, there's some really bad shots of the alien in this movie, especially during the end when they're like trying to chase it some, into the fucking pit. And it looks really bad in some of those scenes. Let's go back and talk about... Charles Dance and the supporting cast, because I, I have much to say about the finale. I, mm. I think we might be on different pages for that one. Uh, minus the CGI shit, or the puppetry shit. 
obviously. Okay. Um, the cast thespian so naturally they're better actors than everyone mm-hmm. on planet earth um the problem is that they all look the same yeah <laughs> <laughs> they all look the same uh none of them are really that memorable with a handful of exceptions like uh charles dutton mm-hmm. uh he is awesome in this movie uh and the guy paul paul Mc- mcgowan paul Mc- yeah yeah McGann, the, a the doctor, doctor who doctor who guy yeah yeah. As uh, that weird psycho, what's his face? I, I forget his name. Well, all you know is that he's the one who lets the alien out at some point yeah. after they capture it, which is left over from the yeah, Vincent which... Ward script because they're religious in the Vincent Ward version, and this and there was a character that believed, you know, that the. Uh, the alien was some sort of act of God, so he went to release it. Like, he thought he had some religious connection with it. Makes a little bit less sense in this script. But... Yeah. Uh, they needed... That needed some work. I mean, the movie as a whole needs some work, but that part in particular could have used... They try to do... Right. They try to do the religious angle with the whole Dylan character, but I never really bought it. Um, it's there, but, like, you get the sense that no one really believes it. Um, except for save a few of the characters, like because a lot of them just mock it, um, like anytime they're like God is doing shit, and then it's like ah, it's a bunch of horseshit. It's like the one guy's like, I have a vow of celibacy. We all took it, and like shut the fuck up. Like it's weird. Like it's because they wanted to do both. It's like they wanted to do you know a religious group, but also a group that just didn't give a fuck about religion. <laughs> um, and that would have been kind of cool to explore somehow, but. It's it's mm-hmm. not there. It's just yeah, yeah. This is a little messy. Mm. But Charles Dance. Oh, Charles Dance this. rules. This this guy is the best. And is our co lead for about half the movie. Mm, um, I'd say like a third. Like a third of the movie is when the alien stuff really kicks off. Yeah, but uh, is that when he goes? Would you say he goes about a third in or halfway in? I for the theatrical because it's really short, like an hour and a half or less than two hours. Uh, I'd say half there, but for the assembly cut, yeah, I'd say like a third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just guess because he has such a presence and he he really is important to the beginning of the story. I mean, I mean, he has sex with Ripley and whatnot. Yeah, which um, I I actually thought was. Uh, at the very least, an interesting character choice, because I mean, she's just trying to feel like no. I thought something, it, I thought it was great. Anything, you know? Honestly, yeah. I, I think that's a great moment that like Ripley's not like that. Ripley's a human fucking being yeah. who's been stuck in these spaceships for so fucking long, and she meets like the one compassionate person in like a long time, and she's like, "Fuck it, this is probably the last time this is going to happen for a while." <laughs> You so, might be asleep in take, space for another 50 years. I don't know. So Yeah, so take advantage of the situation. Um, and what I love is that he's like, he, I mean, he's he's kind of fighting for Ripley. He's kind of like, like, you get the sense he's the one guy in the prison who really knows what's going on. And he gives this whole fucking soliloquy about, like, how he fucked up and why he's in the prison, which is a great scene. And then you're like, oh... He's going to go on some sort of redemption arc. And, you know, 
we're gonna see him grow as a character, and then within like ten minutes, he's fucking dead. <laughs> it's a great rug pull. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And just another thing to show that Ripley's life fucking sucks. Yeah, like that nihilism, man. It just doesn't stop in this movie. It's so, it's like sickening, but I can't stop. Like more more horror movies should have this nihilism or falls. Mm. I mean, obviously with production companies and whatnot, they a lot of people have. Big I guess, stage, but but nihilism okay, in the hands. Not all of them, obviously, and you got to be talented. Well, nihilism in the hands of the wrong director usually ends up being pretty bad and pretty much just like hate. Like it's just really hateful filmmaking. Cynicism for I mean, cynicism and nihilism in place of actual emotions. Like it thinks it's being because if it thinks if it's brutal enough, it's saying something powerful and it really isn't. <laughs> um whereas this movie is honestly saying stuff and it's usually apart from its brutality. Because, like, you can, there are scenes where it just revels in the violence. <laughs> I mean, to a hilarious degree um, of just, like, the fucking first victim gets thrown into a goddamn fan. Oh, it's so good. I know. And it's so brutal. And now, the weird thing is, though, like, I guess there was a lot of talk at the time about having to tone down the violence of Alien 3. Fuck that. Um, and I guess it's like, you know, a pre-Pulp Fiction world, like where violence started becoming more and more normalized. Um, but because I can't really see that it's like so violent, you would have to cut shit from it. But maybe that's just me. I think I'm too desensitized from the stuff I've seen over the years. Like after you watch Audition, you usually can deal with any <laughs> fucking violent horror movie. But I will say there is a bit of a problem here um, that I have with Alien 3. Maybe it's just because I only watched it like years later after like Alien becomes such a pop culture force. But Alien 3 for me is never really scary. And I feel like if you're going to be a horror movie, maybe you should be a little scary sometimes. I agree um, with that. Alien 3 yeah. is not scary. It's very brutal. It's very... Uh, there's a lot of situations where I'm like, well, I wouldn't want to be there. But uh, I'm never, like, frightened in a way that I was watching Aliens and Alien. Um, but that's just me. And I think I that must have been a problem when they started re-editing it for the theatrical cut. Because the theatrical cut very much has an edit that feels like it's trying to be a, you know, like it's trying to be a scary movie. Like there's, with the music and with just the ed- the way it's edited. Uh, it's like that, there's like, the worst horror movies on Earth are the ones where they feel like every 15 minutes they have to have a scare or something like that. Like, like you can't go 15, 10 to 15 minutes without a jump scare of some sort. And that's where you get a lot of the shitty, like, cat scares that are in movies. And I feel like the theatrical cut was kind of edited around that philosophy. Um, didn't fix it, just made it worse, but whatever. Um, so that's a problem I have with Alien for 3. Just that it's never really scary. Yeah, but no, then again, I don't it's think, 
I don't think any alien movie, other than until Prometheus, which I will say has some scary moments in it. Um, I think after this, they stop really being scary movies and more just start being, you know, schlock. More schlocky and more like, oh, hey, we can sell another alien action figure with this movie. Like, remember how you couldn't see the alien for all of Alien, the first one, and how creepy that was? Well, now you can go buy a full scale model toy. <laughs> on your shelf to impress all the chicks you'll be having over. I mean, that's just like common fact. Regardless of gender, you just have an alien action figure. A life-size one especially. It's like, man, you're you're getting laid. Yeah, ladies. It's next to my Jet Jaguar and fucking uh, <laughs> fucking uh, what's this fuck? The fucking robot from the Power Rangers. <laughs> I, I never watched Power Rangers. So oh God! Uh, oi, 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 oi! <laughs> Sorry. Is that is that from the show? The robot would go oi, oi, oi. Okay. Alpha. Okay. That's the robot's name. Why Alpha do I need to know not, this? Alpha is not in Alien Three, but Bishop is. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Okay. Uh, I I love. I mean, we talked about this. I love Bishop. I love that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his he has one point five appearances, two appearances in the movie. It's it's a little odd. Yeah. Um. I mean, is it ever really clear that the human Bishop at the end is human, or was that just another droid? I mean, because he gets nailed in the head and his ear like rips off. Is this a staple of the franchise where there are robots that don't know they're robots? Because this goes back in Prometheus, too. You know, I think it is. Because that just happens. I mean, that's a, that's, I know what you're talking about with Prometheus, because there's, there's David and then there's the theory. Yeah. Um, which is a great theory, which almost makes Prometheus better. And then, thankfully, Ridley Scott came along to say, no, nah, it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, Ridley Scott. <laughs> No, but really, is is he was he an android? I mean, I I always just assumed he was because he looks the same. I mean, obviously Lance Henriksen's gonna fucking age, so world's blocking my imagination and bearing me down. Well, you have to imagine if if we do know that they're tr- they're being duplicitous in that scene where they're like, "Oh, don't worry, we're just here to help. We're gonna destroy it if we get it out of you. Don't worry, Ripley." And then the moment after Ripley just like shuts them off, is basically like, I'm gonna kill myself. Then he starts going, "No, we have to save it, Ripley." <laughs> and uh, and that's when he accidentally gets shot, and he's like, "I'm not an android." And I think he might have been, because I think like they would have, because for whatever reason, the bishop that we knew in Aliens was a more like pacifist type alien. I mean, not alien. I mean, android. Um, and was more like there to help people and was designed not to hurt anyone. And there's actually a great scene in the uh, fucking William Gibson script where Bishop, the robot, has access to some of the uh, new alien creatures and he's going to destroy them. And he actually hesitates because it like conflicts with his programming as to whether or not he should commit genocide by killing these samples. Like he, he doesn't know what to do. Um, which honestly, that could have been a good way to explain why there's an alien egg on the ship in Alien 3. 
just be like Bishop's programming fucked up and he couldn't decide whether or not to destroy the alien egg or keep it, but instead we just don't get an explanation. <laughs> but um, but again, I do think, I, I'm guessing, I don't fucking know. I don't think the movie knows. It's such an odd scene at the end. And it, I know that was a sh- scene that was shot like three different ways. Because it plays out a lot differently in the theatrical cut. Um, especially Ripley falling. Oh, I hate that uh, in the theatrical cut. I hate it in both cuts. Really? It looks really bad in the... Oh, in, okay. oh like, no, no. Visually, yeah, it looks like shit when she dives in. Mm. But, uh, I mean, the scene itself, I think, is stronger in the assembly. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole movie is just stronger <laughs> as all... You know, everything works better there. Just visually... Oh, my God, some of that shit is just awful. And what the fuck is the camera crew doing there? Yeah, I don't. I never understood that either. That's a weird, no pictures. Like that's like, so weird. Why, why do you have those? Are those just like interns they took along? Yeah, or, like, like Evil Corp are us, you know. And then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're trying to get this." This. Uh, I, I you know. I bet you that was like an idea of like, all right, we'll use this footage at the start of Alien Four, maybe. And it would have been one of those classic scenes where like a character in Alien Four was going to watch that footage and it was going to look like alien three instead of like, like home video footage or something. <laughs> also, it's interesting that in the future cameras are like 10 times the size of what they are today. <laughs> no, those are IMAX cameras. It's oh Yeah. We, they, they wanted to make sure they got the best shots of this prison. Yes. <laughs> what a fucking stupid moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, that no, that's that's weird. No pictures. I just remember that makes me laugh so much. I'm gonna laugh every time I fucking watch that now. So okay, uh, supporting cast. Yeah, they're. I mean, there's really not much to say. They're not great. They're just they're, there's some bright spots, but as a whole, they're like. They're just, like I think all the actors in this movie are fucking workers, and they all do a good job, but they don't have a lot to work with. Yeah, I mean, like, even uh, Morse. I like that character. He's the, the last survivor, and he gets the last uh, original line of the movie. Because the last line in Alien 3 is the last line in Alien, which is a nice touch, I think, in the end transmission. That's yeah. that's real good. It's real nice and cold and just nice. It's a really nice ending for this shit. Uh, but he gets the last line, which is, fuck you. And that's yeah. so perfect for this movie. <laughs> this movie's like, oh, it's so ugly and mean and only David, David Fincher could pull it off. David Fincher might as well have played that guy. Yeah. I mean that was him. Uh, that was his voice. They just Yeah. That was him being dragged off the set. Um, Fuck yeah. Dylan is a great character. Um, I loved him in the movie. Yeah, no, Dylan been, Dylan's great. I think he could have been given maybe a little more. Um but uh he does a good job. Uh I think he goes out in a bit of a dumb way. But uh, where he's being mauled. Oh yeah! Instead of just but then can cl- one. But then he can clearly yell up to Ripley like, "Do it, Ripley!" <laughs> like, like in a very clear, not being mauled voice. Yeah. <laughs> like given how uh, authentically grotesque this movie is, that you would I'd expect like him gargling blood while he's screaming out or some shit. You know, like yeah. I mean, that's just the vibe the rest of the movie had, so why the fuck not? 
I mean, just just based on personal experience, I don't believe any time in a movie when someone is like being like stabbed or shot and they can still like say something coherent. I don't buy it. Okay. <laughs> I like. So I had a recent. I well, all right. This I had a recent little minor surgery. Nothing major. It was nothing. A little more intense than maybe getting like an ingrown toenail dealt with. Okay. Uh, but uh, the weird thing was, it was on a part of my body that like you couldn't numb all of it. I was getting cut, and every now and then, like they would they would inject me with Novocaine, and then they would cut. And then every now and then they would cut a little far where the Novocaine hadn't affected. Oh. So I'd be sitting there and I'd be like, yeah! And then... <laughs> like, and, and this is just like a little cut I was getting. And then they would inject me some more. And then they would start cutting again. And then I would go, ah! And then they would inject me more. And then they'd cut again. And I did that for about five minutes. Um, and, like, I was not... I could not think clearly about anything in those moments. <laughs> I could not say anything. They asked me questions, and I basically just had to go like, hey. <laughs> and I was biting my hand so hard. I had, I should have taken a picture. I had like a huge teeth indent on my hand. Like I almost broke skin. I was just biting my hand so hard. Um, just to get through it. Um, and then they're just like, all right, I'll see you in a month. And that was some fun. And then they gave me painkillers, so I was just doped up on painkillers for fucking a week. Uh, so I, I don't buy it. There's actually, it gets worse when we get to Prometheus. I have a real horror story to tell when we get to Prometheus, but I'll save it for that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Let's just say that scene when she gets cut across the stomach is fucking bullshit, and I know from experience. <laughs> I knew that was going to be the scene. I knew it. Yes. Okay, because that's my favorite scene in that movie. Oh, my God. That was the scene. Oh, I'll save it. No, no, I'll save okay. that story. Alien 3. Alien 3 for now. Alien 3. Um, Alien 3. Shit. Um, okay, so Dylan, you don't, you don't like Dylan's death. I <laughs> I like its ballsiness because, I mean, it is fucking ridiculous. The alien kills everyone no problem, like, in <clears> one <throat> second flat, you know, when it comes across him. Yeah. But I like that he fist fights the alien. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it's what? it's kind of awesome. And just before that, he managed to save that one guy from the alien, which was also stupid. Um, a guy Wait, which have, guy? Well, like, there's a guy who gets, like, yanked up into the fucking ceiling. I can't... I, honestly, I couldn't tell you which one. Because <laughs> they, they all look the same. It's not Pete Pothelswaite, or whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, yeah, Pete Pothelswaite. He's... he's uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He's good, but yeah, his I don't even know his character's name. He doesn't do anything, yeah. but it's just like, oh hey, it's that guy. But one but of the generic, one of the generic bald guys gets yanked up into the ceiling, and Dylan kind of runs in because he's one of the last guys. And Dylan comes across him, and Dylan just kind of yanks him away from the alien, and then is dragging his body as the alien chases them. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, I remember that now. And that's a little ridiculous that whole scene i kind of i love like the idea of the climax i feel like it goes on a little too long um okay it, it definitely does and i bet it wouldn't feel that way if the first half of the movie had better established these prison mates 
Yeah, if I cared about each and every one of them, I, it might have been a little more intense. But honestly, the, I care about those characters so little, I would, it would have been a better scene if we hadn't seen what was going on. Yeah, or like you uh, imagine, quick cuts or something like that, you know? I mean, it doesn't have you, to be, like, crazy, but just little flashes, like, every once in a while, like, oh, how's it going down there? And then, like, that's it. Well, can you imagine if the scene, they never left Ripley or Dylan's side, and they just sent those guys in there, and all you're hearing is, like, the screaming, and, like, maybe Dylan's, like, holding some sort of map, so if one guy yells, like, door, whatever's closed, like, Dylan can check it off, and that's how the tension's done, but we never actually see what's going on in there, so we don't know if it's getting closer or if it's further away. That could have been a really tense moment. And then every um, once in a while, just, like, one or two of the guys makes it through? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, like, so you don't. Bad. And, uh, but instead it's, it's kind of just a repetitive scene. The camera works really cool doing the alien POV stuff. Yeah. I, I love that. And I do like that the geography is a little confusing there. Yeah. Because if you're following those guys perspective or even the aliens, like the alien doesn't know where it's going. It's just like, Oh, I can kill this motherfucker right now. I can fucking eat some dude's mm -hmm. face. So that, that's okay. I, I don't mind the messy geography. But, yeah, it, it goes on a little too long because you don't care about any of these people. So mm. That's another thing. What is the alien doing in the movie? Oh, yeah, there's no nothing. It's just chilling. That's, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of killing people for the sake of killing, um, which is something the aliens haven't done in any of the movies up to this point. Um. I mean, kind of in the first one. I mean, there's always moments where it's like ambiguous as to what happened, but it's pretty heavily implied that everyone gets attacked by the alien, gets fucked up, and then gets taken away. Yeah, and you could uh, say it's eating them there. like. Yeah. And here, it's just out to kill and kill and kill. It's like the Indominus Rex from your favorite movie. Ah, oh, you fucker. I'm sorry. Um, it's just stop, stop calling Trevor, Trevor O 2016. <laughs> That's my write-in candidate, is just stop Colin Trevorrow. <laughs> but really, uh, that, that is odd that the alien has no motivation, really. I mean, yeah. And that's something that a lot of these scripts usually had an answer for. <laughs> so it's weird to get all the way here, and then there's just no answer. Um, I mean, there could have been something in the idea that he's like protecting Ripley because he has, she has the new alien queen in her. Um, but they don't really do that, so whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm kind of poking, like ripping some holes in it. But I want to say, I do think the assembly cut of Alien Three is a worthy successor to Alien and Aliens. Um, I wish it had been released in theaters because I think had it been, we maybe would have avoided what happened next. I think people still would have been turned off by how mean mm. old it can be. Although I think the ending is nihilistically optimistic. I think there's there's a little little ray of sunshine in there at the end. It's just I don't think so. No, no, I don't get the I get the sense that there's like there's a sense of finality to the ending. Of like it's finally over. Yeah, that, that's I mean but, that's that's as much hope as you get in the movie. 
Yeah. I don't mean it's like Return of the King, like, or Two Towers Gandalf running down the mountain mm-hmm. to Helm's Deep. I just mean, like, that, I guess, the sense of finality, like you said, it makes it feel or Ripley relieved. Mm-hmm. And there's some joy to that, or at least some sense of comfort to that. And this movie had no comfort up to that point. So I, I guess, but maybe it's a little undermined by the fact that alien resurrection exists. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's a whole other deal. And in one sense, it's a little funny that the alien has ruined so much of Ripley's life that she can't even die in peace. Like that's mm-hmm. a funny joke. It's not funny for a movie, but it's a funny joke. Oh, I never finished up on Morse, so I'll just start from there. Uh, okay. Morse, he has a couple little moments in the beginning, the middle, and the end of the movie. They don't really connect in any way. But <laughs> the first time he confronts Ripley when everything starts going to shit, and he's just like, oh, we'll shove her head through the fucking wall. And then by the end, he's like, what do you need me to do? Like, there's pieces missing there. Yes. But it's a good arc. <laughs> so it works for me, but there's pieces missing there. Mm. And her ability to take charge after her character evolution in Aliens. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I really like that. Also, hold on, it's, a, it's missing pieces. hold on a second. Is it a little weird that these prisoners kind of like, you know, they're really like, they're kind of religious, depending on what the script wants. Um, and they dump bodies into that, like, you know, furnace refinery thing. Mm-hmm. And then they seem to forget about it. <laughs> because there's the scene where they're like, where all the prisoners are like, we're fucked until the rescue team comes. And like, we got to get weapons. We got to do something like there's nothing we can do. And then some guy just casually goes, hey, we could burn it. And then like, oh, shit. Yeah, we have a giant. <laughs> <laughs> furnace we can put it in why didn't we think of that like it seems a little weird that they like were like we're fucked there's nothing we can do and like oh yeah the one thing <laughs> we have here we could use that <laughs> and they never used it no yeah. they just all they blow up the other shit yeah. also that's a that's a little dumb I think the death of the alien works fine when they dump the shit on it. I don't need the like extra scare moment when it pops out to be like, I'm still alive for a little bit. Yeah, no. I that's that's whatever. I mean, it's kinda cool when it explodes, but I yeah, that's unnecessary. I don't know, it looked a little goofy when it blew up. I just like explosions. I'm dumb. Oh, uh Sigourney Weaver, this is I think her best movie role. That's my hot take. I don't know if that's a hot take. I think she's fucking remarkable in this movie. You mean better than Working Girl? How do you, like, live <laughs> with yourself? Like, why are you like this? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, but I, I really think she's doing something really remarkable here. And I know she was nominated for Best Actress at, a, like, for every Saturn Awards? No, uh, for... Didn't, wasn't she nominated for an Academy Award for... Uh, for aliens, yeah. For aliens, yeah, yeah. I, I think she should have been nominated for here too. She's fucking great. Um, yeah. If, if we're going by the assembly cut, oh, assem- um, yes, yes, of course. Because uh, in, in a perfect fashion, world, in a perfect world, I should say. Yeah, the problem is a lot of people didn't get to see this version 
but I, I'm, I think there probably would have been a resistance from the Academy to nominate Alien 3. I don't know why you would uh, think that. Uh, just because it's the fucking Academy. Would they nominate, like, Driving Miss Daisy that year? There might have been a fucking issue. Like, we're not nominating a good movie. No, I, I, I would totally have been cool with it. I think maybe if this movie was made today in a post-Mad Max Fury Road world, where the Academy is willing to vote for a movie called Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> um, we could have seen this happen. Um, but her, her whole, like, all the, for as bad as this movie was received, a lot of the shit in it kind of became iconic. I mean, like, the, you know, bald-headed Ripley was kind of a big thing. Um, I saw that a lot, like, you know, on in, like, internet forums and stuff like that, or just, like, parodied in pop culture and maybe is that the first example of like bald action woman i think it might in... be the big one yeah uh and that shot obviously of the alien after it kills uh charles dance and goes right up to ripley's yeah. face that's that is that you think the most iconic shot in the franchise it's at least one of if not it's the defining definitely, one definitely one of it. it might be the most just because it's it's the one that they'll sometimes use to advertise other alien movies yeah, like, like, like oh man, which movie is that from? Alien Three, yeah. and then everyone just like groans. Oh, I just remember like they when they used to show the alien movies around Halloween all the time. They would usually use that image like over it, like to be like tune in Friday for the Alien Marathon, and that would be the image they used. Yeah. And they basically took the image for the Alien versus Predator posters. So, question. Is this a good ending for the character of Ellen Ripley? She's lost everything. Her final act in the universe is to take an alien queen with her down to the pits of hell and save the universe and humanity. The only guy who survives is a murderer rapist. Mm -hmm. Is this a good ending? Um, there's something to be said about the fact that one of the few female action characters kind of dies. <laughs> Um, I get that being a problem but removed from that I think it's a pretty good way for Ripley to go out um, I probably I, I, I don't think I liked it when I first heard that that's how this movie because I only for the longest time I only heard about the stuff that happened in Alien 3 before I actually watched it and I think I first heard about it around the time like Alien Resurrection was coming out on like home video. Um, but I remember my fucking Blockbuster had that Alien Resurrection poster up a lot. Like on the wall being like, we got this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think, cause, mostly because it's her decision. Uh, like it's not like someone else killed her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. See, that's like sh that's why I really like it. Because, yeah, every aspect of her life since she's first encountered the xenomorph, xenomorph, whatever the fuck, it's pretty much just been a downward spiral. And then, like, a, a little uphill battle with Newt and Hicks, and then just went even further down. Mm -hmm. Turtles all the way down and shit. And so she finally breaks free from all of it. She ends up dying because of it. But I don't know, just her reclaiming her own free will that way. I think that's that's a, that's a good ending for her, even though she dies. <sighs> All right, Matt, 
We talked about Alien 3 for a while. We did. Is it as good as Alien and Aliens? It's worthy of being included in those three. Um, and you could pick any one as your favorite, and I won't judge. Just as long as you don't take that opportunity to also shit on one of the other films. Like, I don't want to hear being like, I like Alien 3 because Aliens sucks. I fucking hate yeah, people no. to do that. I, I think I did that for a little while, but I was dumb. And Aliens yeah, and fucking hate- rules. Yeah. Don't be a stupid ass. <laughs> yeah, no. Alien 3, I don't think it's as good, mostly because of the variety of issues as we discussed, mm-hmm. but man, if I don't fucking love this movie. Like, it's required Halloween viewing for me. In or at re- least Halloween season viewing for me. In retrospect, it's the last high point of the franchise. Oh, yeah, even if you hate this movie, I don't know how anybody could look at it as the low point of the franchise. Yeah. In the last two decades. Oh, shit. We're talking about Alien Resurrection next. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I actually have to rewatch it now. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I just remember it's, like, awful. <laughs> it absolutely is. There's, there's no coming back from that. That's just... But, hey, Joss Whedon wrote it. Oh, fuck. It's his proto-Firefly. Uh, Which is not something you want to mix with the Alien universe, I feel. Yeah, that would have been a fun, like, Halloween episode of Firefly went on for, like, seven seasons. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Would have been, it would have been an interesting fanfic to hear about and then never read because you have more important things going on in your life. <laughs> when you put it that way. Matt, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com. And, and I have a podcast <laughs> called Gringo Fuck Yourself, but it's dead. So, <laughs> Jesus. You can find me on Twitter at Dago Waffles, The Waffle Press, YouTube, yada, yada. Like this video, like and subscribe. If you didn't like it, Gringo Fuck Yourself. Just kidding. Like and subscribe because you might find something you do like. Suspense is back. And we have no weapons of any kind. The fear is back. And most of all, the bitch is back. <laughs> Alien 3. Yeah. <laughs>